This is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, January 11th, 2022 on KUAF 91.3. I'm Kyle Kellums. You can listen to KUAF anywhere with our free KUAF app. Ahead this hour on our show, a conversation about art, community, and connectivity. I think it's also our responsibility as artists to find out what gets your gears going mm. and what makes you tick. And so, like, if you like to travel, then you got to travel. If you like nature, you got to get out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen family in a while, go see your family. Um, so, if it's hard to be creative, then you got to be very intentional with things that might spark that. We'll hear part of a conversation that's included in the first episode of our new podcast, The Lunch Hour. Writer and musician Bang and Chef Jeremy Cothrop talk about how community forms their creativity and why they're happy to be creating in Northwest Arkansas. And in about four minutes, a nearly two-year pandemic with yet another surge continues to be a challenge for agencies looking for blood donors. The Arkansas Department of Health reports more than 4,700 new cases in yesterday's report and an increase in active cases to more than 61,000. That's the highest number of active cases at any one time during the pandemic. Hospitalizations increased by 58 in the most recent 24-hour period. There are now 1,068 virus patients in Arkansas hospitals. Ten more deaths from COVID-19 were added yesterday to the state's total. Hospitals in Arkansas are beginning to deal with the effects of another surge of COVID-19 patients, including difficulties finding staff. In an interview with Arkansas PBS, the president and CEO of the Arkansas Hospital Association, Bo Ryle, said many factors are contributing to staffing shortages in state's hospitals. We're having people who are absolutely having burnout and they're retiring. They're moving on to other professions. We've got we're in a competition with the travel industry. We're in a competition with other states and hospitals are in competition with each other for for clinical nurses. So that's that's ongoing. The recent surge is being attributed to the highly contagious Omicron variant. The Oklahoma State Department of Health is reporting a steady increase in cases of community transmission. Yesterday's report includes more than 27,000 new cases combined for Monday, Sunday, and Saturday counts. Oklahoma is expanding testing opportunities this week, including the addition of mobile testing units. The Arkansas Center for Health Improvement reports nearly all of Arkansas school districts have infection rates of 50 or more new known cases per 10,000 residents over a 14-day period. Yesterday's report from ACHI indicates 226 districts, about 97 percent, have reached that pandemic milestone, the highest rate since the pandemic began. Dr. Joe Thompson, the president and CEO of ACHI, says the Omicron variant is raging uncontrolled across the state. The group is calling for mask requirements at all schools, virtual instruction for the districts with the highest rates of infections, and suspension of public interactions or implementation of virtual options where possible on behalf of municipalities, businesses, and houses of worship. Fort Smith schools returning to a mask mandate. The school board voted last night to reinstate the requirement for 30 days unless the district dips below 49 or fewer known cases of infection per 10,000 district residents. United States Representative Rick Crawford says he's tested positive for the virus. In a statement yesterday, the Republican of Arkansas's first congressional district said he was fully vaccinated but contracted the virus late last week. Representative Crawford says he has no significant symptoms, feels well, and expects no complications. However, he said he will remain in isolation this week at his home in Jonesboro and intends to cast House votes by proxy. The 55-year-old is in his sixth term representing the East Arkansas District. 
Eight of 35 sitting members of the Arkansas State Senate will not be back in the chamber after the 2022 election. Yesterday, Trent Garner, a Republican from El Dorado, announced he would not seek another term. Friday, an incumbent Democrat, Keith Ingram of West Memphis, announced he would not run for re-election. And late last year, the lone independent in the Senate, Jim Hendren of Gravit, indicated he wouldn't run again. Three other state senators are term limited. Another two are leaving the Senate to run for statewide office. It is runoff election day in Arkansas's state Senate District 7. Two Republican candidates are seeking the GOP nomination to face Democrat Lisa Parks next month in a special general election. Colby Fulfer and Steve Unger advanced from last month's primary election. The seat was vacated when state Senator Lance Eads left the position to focus full time on a job in the private sector. Polls remain open until 730 tonight. There are college basketball games tonight in both Siloam Springs and Fort Smith. Both John Brown University teams are in Bill George Arena tonight, hosting Science and Arts out of Oklahoma. The University of Arkansas Fort Smith men host Oklahoma Christian tonight, but the UAFS women's game is postponed because of COVID-19 protocols. Sunshine will continue the rest of this afternoon. Highs from 55 to 59. Clear conditions expected to continue tonight with lows around 35. Tomorrow, sunny again with highs from the mid-50s in northwest Arkansas to the upper 50s for the Arkansas River Valley. This is Ozarks at Large. Making sure there is enough blood on hand to deal with emergencies is a never-ending task for hospitals and the agencies that collect blood for hospitals. A 23-month pandemic doesn't make the challenge any easier. The Arkansas Blood Institute, a supplier of blood products for 40 regional hospitals, is in need of more donors and through the end of the month is offering a COVID-19 antibody test to all donors. Yesterday, we reached Danny Cervantes, the director of the Arkansas Blood Institute's Fort Smith Center, to ask about the test. This will identify if, you've had, if you have um, antibodies in your system from the vaccine and antibodies in the system if you've actually had COVID. So it's two different things. The previous test only identified people who actually had COVID in the past. And that, that was now it's if you have um, any antibodies in your system for any reason whatsoever, um, that will be identified this time. So you can actually separate where those antibodies origin is. Yes. And that will um, obviously it's done at a higher level. Now, the donor will only know if they're negative or positive. They won't know which one which ones um, it will come from. They just know that they have antibodies in their system. This is this is, I imagine, a another piece of information that's valuable to public health uh, officials throughout the state, especially as we go through this latest surge. Yes, yes. And in fact, um, when I did it, you know, I've I've got my I got my booster shot and um, I kind of went a little bit longer than 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 the period they they recommended uh, to get it. And it was just because I am a regular blood donor and I was able to look on there and say, hey, I still have some antibodies in my system. So I was kind of waiting a little bit longer. So it would, um, once I got the booster, it would help a little bit longer um, period of time. So there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, and another thing is that, that we've actually started, um, we're starting to produce um, convalescent plasma again. 
Um, in the first surge of uh, COVID, we we, we um, did convalescent plasma, and it, it was used to treat people in the hospital that were on ventilators. And um, we went away from that a little bit, and now it's coming back. So um, that's going to help um, us as well as uh, to produce convalescent plasma again. Just to remind our listeners, Arkansas Blood Institute um, provides inventory for patients in scores of hospitals, right? Absolutely. In Arkansas, there are over there are about 45 uh, to 50 hospitals that we actually service in the state of Arkansas. Um, and then we reach out um, into eastern Oklahoma um, that, that, that's out of this office as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it's quite a few hospitals. Um, what has it been like for the Arkansas Blood Institute during a pandemic that seemingly just will not go away? It's been tough. We we look like we're we're starting to gain some uh, gain some ground on it, and then it just the bottom drops out, and people just start getting sick again. And yeah, every you know for the last two years, I will say it has been a big struggle being able to to supply to get enough um, blood in our system to supply our hospitals. Unfortunately, we've been able to do that, but it's getting tough again. Um, we are actually right now um, scraping the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, on our blood supply, and our and are really dangerously close to to um, um, not having enough um, blood uh, for, our, for our patients. And um, it's understandably why um, schools are, are starting to, to go virtual again, and that, that's hurting us. Um, businesses, you know, are working with skeleton crews just because people are getting sick and, and are off of work. And, and you know, the biggest, places, the biggest places we can go that make a bigger impact are our community blood drives. And we're starting to see fewer and fewer people come out to those blood drives right now as well, too. So, yeah, we're looking forward to this thing coming to an end at some point. I hope it does soon because it is it is it is making life heck on and tough on us um, to to get enough blood. And the reason that if schools have to go to virtual classes for a period, or if businesses have more remote workers, the reason that's tough for y'all is because that's fewer people that just happen to see the drives by their buildings where they go to school or work, right? And that is correct. Um, I think there's a lot of instability, a lot of um, um, maybe fear is not the word, but caution, I guess, um, just um, not, you know, wanting to come out or, or, or you know, um, take a chance to, to, to go out, you know, and, and mingle with people. And I can assure you, um, we, we do what we can to keep things safe, you know, as far as uh, cleaning and, and um, sanitizing things. And, and most of the people that come in to donate um, are healthy anyways, because that's the first question we ask. Um, are you healthy um, today and feel good, you know, no problems? And then we run them through a series of questions to make sure that um, they pass a mini physical before we even let them donate. So, so you know, the I would say when you look at it, at, you know, the bulk of our, our donors, they're, they're healthy and they know they're healthy and they come in to, to give blood and they're regular donors. But we do. We need new donors to come in because we are losing um, some of our older donors. Um, for various reasons, and um, yeah, in order to keep the, this blood supply where it needs to be, we, we need to see lots more blood donors. And again, if a donor comes in and they are seeking that new antibody test, how do they do that, and, and when do they get results from it, and how does that all work? You bet. Um, so that comes with every donation. Nothing extra needs to be done. So um, when you come in and donate, it's automatically done. And then there is a um, – you'll be set up. You'll be using your email address to set up a portal. Um, with us, and then you'll go on that portal, and it'll have your results on there within 72 hours. Danny Cervantes is the director of the Arkansas Blood Institute's Fort Smith Center. He talked with us yesterday. You can find out more about scheduled blood drives or about hosting one at arcbi.org.
Omicron continues to sweep across Arkansas, and the virus is topic A for this week's conversation between Roby Brock from our partner Talk Business and Politics and John Brummett, a political columnist for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. They also discuss the changing face of the Arkansas State Senate as eight sitting senators, close to a third of the chamber, will not be back for various reasons after the next election. Their conversation took place yesterday before Senator Trent Garner officially announced on Twitter he was not seeking re-election. Roby began the discussion by focusing on Governor Asa Hutchinson's approach in the first few days of 2020 to the newest surge of COVID-19. You have seen the governor defend his position on uh, how he's handling the crisis. I kind of want some interpretation and analysis of what you think of what he had to say which my response is, if I had to boil it all down to one thing, he's like, I, I've only got so many political tools in order to fight this public health crisis. You don't need me, Roby. You could ask and answer the questions. That's exactly what it was saying. That's exactly what he, and I think, I think in, a, in a different tone and inflection, even uh, uh, Joe Biden is, is, is sort of saying that. It's, it's not to the extent that, an Arkansas Republican governor can say it, but it's basically that, look, this is bad. And I'm going to, I'm going to imply, I'm going to infer some things. This is bad, but it's not as bad as before because this thing is not as lethal and not as serious. And uh, that that's not to minimize it to, in terms of it's a fa- what it may uh, do to some people, but, but that's a fact. And we went, we went through shutting down our economy we went through keeping our kids at home. We can't go back. And um, I hear him saying, this is a, for now, a new normal, and we've got to deal with it. And I'm hearing national people say that too, national uh, uh, scientists and doctors saying, basically, we're going to have to cope with this and go about our lives, and we're going to have to rely on what's tried and true. Wear, wear good masks, get your vaccinations, uh, uh, be, be sensible in the way you go about your existence. That's what everybody's saying. And I think Asa is saying a little more on the Arkansas level. Man, there's no way in this state that I can do anymore. You can't tell these people, uh, you you can't mandate these independent-minded people to to do any more than they're doing. You can just encourage it. And uh, I'm encouraging it. And I want us to be sensible. And we're going to cope with it as best we can and pray to the good Lord that this is like a winter spike, and by February, we're going to be past it. I think that's what he's saying completely. I think it's what a lot of people uh, are saying uh, nationally. You actually asked him, are we going to get so many people sick? He combined that with the vaccines, we're going to achieve herd immunity. And he said, that's exactly what's going to happen. Well, I don't know if that's exactly what's going to happen, but I think that's his approach. And I do not choose to criticize him quite as much as others of a left of center persuasion do. I understand their criticism, but there are some stark realities about public attitudes and uh, there are some stark realities about retreating on this economy for all of us. So uh, I'm I'm just sort of accepting uh, his uh, position, understanding it, not liking it all that much, but thinking, but hoping for the best. One of the biggest obstacles to the governor being more aggressive on the COVID-19 front is the Arkansas legislature. We uh, we are learning today and have over the weekend that uh, another domino may be following, falling in the Arkansas State Senate. We saw Senator Keith Ingram announce he will not run for re-election uh, late last week. Senator Trent Garner apparently on that same 
trajectory. If Garner goes through with that, it will be the eighth state senator who is not running for re-election, either due to term limits or personal choice. That's about a quarter of the state Senate. That's going to make for a much different uh, mixture and formula down there on the uh, on the upper chamber end, won't it? Yeah, it's a strange situation. You could see other with uh, people like Jim Hendren choosing to quit, uh, Jason Rapert running for another office, uh, Garner now for personal reasons, apparently going not to run again. Kent, uh, Keith Ingram saying, I'm not running again because I'm just tired of being a minority Democrat dealing in this, trying to navigate this uh, hostile, uh, intolerant environment. For all those reasons, you're going to have that much change, nearly a fourth of the body. But in one way, it's not going to be that much change. Redistricting means, and, and the state's climate means, there are seven Democrats now. One of them is term limited, and his district was just done away with in order to accommodate Republican areas in redistricting in Southwest Arkansas. I think that most there will be six Democrats next time. Uh, but I have to say, uh, over the weekend, with these reports, and we've all got, you've got them, I've got them, people telling us, he told me, Garner told me he is in fact not going to run again. He has not formally announced it. But with that news, that rumor, that, that uh, solid <laughs> seeming rumor uh, broke over the weekend, I had tons of people saying uh, to me, this changes the entire complexion of the Senate. To this extent, the Senate has is overrun, is, is dominated totally, by conservative Republican thought. But there has been a new version of conservative Republican thought led by Garner and Bob Ballinger and Sullivan, maybe and some others at times, that, that is, is impractically extreme, some believe, that it's entirely too combative. Garner himself has dismissed Asa Hutchinson as, as so yesterday. I mean, his kind of conservatism, it's now Trump's conservatism. And, and he had, and he and Ballinger have, at times, and others, uh, have forced uh, issues, uh, votes on issues that were impractical and extreme, uh, that other Republicans uh, who felt obliged to vote for for political fear of being primary, and people are thinking if Tritt's not there, <clears throat> and his father-in-law, perhaps a, a similarly conservative, but but uh, uh, not as uh, extreme in his style, were to replace him. There are people suddenly hopeful that while it won't change in terms of numbers, this could be a significant change in that there will be a little bit more collegiality and cordiality. And uh, we'll just uh, have to see. But it's, uh, it's a remarkable confluence of factors changing our state Senate. John Brummett is a political columnist for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and his work can be found at ArkansasOnline.com. He spoke with Roby Brock from our partner, Talk Business and Politics, and their conversation did take place before State Senator Trent Garner made his announcement official via Twitter that he, in fact, will not seek another term in the state Senate. KUAF is supported by Hendricks College in Conway home of Life Launch, a new one-week residential summer program for rising high school juniors and seniors to explore career planning and experience college life. Now accepting applications for its inaugural session, which begins June 2022. More information is available at hendricks.edu slash life launch. Good Tuesday. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. Tomorrow night, the Fayetteville Public Library is scheduled to host author Ruth Coker Burks. Her book, 
All the Young Men, a memoir of love, AIDS, and chosen family in the American South, documents her work in Hot Springs with men who had contracted AIDS in the earliest days of the condition in Arkansas. She served as an advocate and caretaker for many of them. In November 2020, she talked with Ozarks at Large's Zuzanna Sytek about the first AIDS patient she befriended. Well, I was at the hospital visiting my friend Bonnie. She was 35 and had just had most of her tongue removed from cancer. And I was the only person who could um, do her interpreting for her. And so I was just up there kind of minding my own business, which I'm never doing. And there was this room that and we had been there this had been her fifth reconstructive surgery so you know we were friends with the nurses and we would bake cookies and they would bring their cookies we would all share cookies and you know if I need to use their phone don't oh don't use a dime here use our phone and so I watched them draw straws to see who would go in and check on this young man and I had been in Hawaii visiting my cousin who is gay and I had asked him about this horrible disease and he goes oh no honey that's just the leather guys in San Francisco that get that we don't get that and I thought oh thank God and then I wondered to myself what's a leather guy and what are they doing to get a you know to get this gay cancer and I just always had my ear up for it So I was at the hospital and this young man's trays, they were styrofoam food trays, which I had never seen before. And all of his eating utensils and everything was styrofoam and plastic. And they were lining up outside his door. And so the nurses were drawing straws to see who would go in and check on him. And he had a big red bag on his door that they had put up. And, uh, you know, danger and warning. And so anyway, I waited until the coast was clear and I snuck in. And that's where you found Jimmy, who would become the first AIDS patient that you'd end up caring for. I found a young man who was so thin and so frail that I could not tell him from his bed sheets. And so I walked in and I went over to him and I put my hand on his arm and rubbed his arm. And I said, what can I do to help you? And he said he wanted his mother. So I went out and I just announced to the nurse's station that the young man wanted his mother. And they looked at me and just backed up as if I had a gun on them. And they said, you didn't go in that room, did you? And I'm like, Well, yeah, I did. And I thought you should have gone in there, but I'm trying to stay nice. And um, they said, honey, his mom is not coming. He's been here six weeks. Nobody's coming. And don't you go in there again. So I asked if I could have his mother's phone number. So they kind of pitched it at me across the desk. And I thought that was strange because You know, I brought cookies that morning and they didn't have any trouble eating them. And I um, reached for their phone and they go, "Mm, the phone, the pay phone's down the hall. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm hearing. So I marched myself down that hall and I called his mother. And she said, I don't know what that is you have at that hospital. 
but that's not my son. My son died years ago when he went gay. Don't call me back. I don't even want to know when he dies. I didn't know what I, I hung up, and I didn't want those nurses to think she had got me in the least. And so I just walked right back in his room, and I kind of stood at the door thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to tell this young man? So I walked over to his bed, and I took his hand. I was rubbing his arm, and uh, he looked up at me, and he said, oh, Mama, I knew you'd come. And I was stuck. What do you do? You can't leave when somebody says that. And he was so dehydrated that he didn't have any tears left, but he had stains on his face where he had cried them out. And he, you know, he just started sobbing and kind of heaving that he was so grateful that his mother was there. And I stayed with him for over 13 hours until he took his last breath. Ruth Coker-Burks speaking with former Ozarks at Large reporter and producer Zuzanna Sytek on our show in late 2020. They were discussing her then-just-published book, All the Young Men, A Memoir of Love, AIDS, and Chosen Family in the American South. Ruth Coker-Burks is scheduled to discuss that book tomorrow night beginning at 6 at the Fayetteville Public Library. You can learn more at fayelib.org. I'm Jane Clayson. Pioneering black ballerinas from the Dance Theater of Harlem reflect on the challenges they faced in the predominantly white ballet world. The racism within the ballet arts was their behinds are too big or their thighs are too thick. We used to hear all these things. That's next time on Here and Now. Here and now, this afternoon, from 1 to 3 on KUAF 91.3. And you can also stream all of KUAF signals through our free KUAF app. Here's something familiar. Virus-induced postponements. Arkansas Children's Innovation Center is delaying its 48-hour digital health challenge, which was originally scheduled for later this month. The digital health challenge, which has partners like Startup Junkie and the Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas will now be held the first few days of April. The collaborative effort, known as a hackathon, allows participants to work alongside Arkansas Children's to solve real-world pediatric health care problems. And the annual Woman of the Year Gala, presented by the organization Women and Children First, is moving as well to Friday, April 1st. It will be held at the Little Rock Marriott Ballroom. This year's gala will honor Michelle Town and Kim Meyer-Webb. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. This is Ozarks at Large with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News studio, far away, as far as we can move the microphones away. And uh, fully vaccinated is Robert Kinsberg, who is the host of Shades of Jazz on KUAF every weekend, as well as the founder and president of the Northwest Arkansas Jazz Society. Welcome back. It's great to be here, Kyle. It's been a minute. It has. Uh We've been dealing with unusual circumstances for a while now, but it's going to be great to talk about uh, some performance, including performance this week. Absolutely. We are collaborating with Roots Festival folks. 
the Hembrys, and you know they have a wonderful facility in Fayetteville, the Roots HQ, their headquarters. It's the old Geisinger Music Building. It's a fabulous venue. Anyone who's not been in there, their offices are there, but it's a venue that seats about a hundred people, completely intimate. It's like being in someone's living room. The acoustics are great, and we're going to do a series of concerts with them that we can talk about later. But uh, right out of the gate. The Jazz Society has been wanting to reinitiate our jam session that we were doing before the pandemic at U.S. Pizza. It was a um, bi-monthly thing that we did in the basement there where we had seasoned musicians that would open the show with a short set, and then we'd invite people to come in and sit in. This is so much a part of the DNA of what jazz is about. Uh, You can study the music, you can rehearse the music, but getting out on the stage with your peers and performing in front of a crowd is really where it's at. So the jam session is important. We talked to Roots about the possibility of doing it there. They loved the idea. In fact, they said, well, maybe we should do a folk jam. And they decided to do that. And then the jam band people got in touch with them. They must have got word. And they Mm -hmm. said, well, what about a jam band jam? So it looks like there's going to be three jams a month at the Roots HQ. Our first one for the jazz part of this is coming up this Thursday. And the way we do it is we, as I said, we always bring in a, a group, usually a trio, and they'll play a set. And then we have the solid rhythm section to build on with people that want to sit in. Those people could be other professional musicians. It could be students. Uh, what we do, though, is we ask people if they're going to do it to be prepared. If they're not calling out a standard tune that everybody knows or something that's in the real book, kind of the Bible of, of uh, jazz standards, then they should bring the music and mm. they should be prepared to play. We've got Claudia Burson's trio opening this up, so that's pretty exciting. So if if I was a, a musician ready to go and I wanted to do Sailor by Starlight, I'd just call that out and... They'd be ready to run with that I one. bet you they would. Yeah. So what time does this begin? It begins at 6 p.m., and it goes till 9. Masks are required, but um, libations are available. There's no cover charge, Kyle. We're, we, this is kind of a service to the community and to musicians. So we hope some folks will show up that just want to listen. We hope some folks will show up that want to play. Robert, thanks so much. Thank you, Kyle. This is Ozarks at Large. Late last month, a new KUAF endeavor, merging community and creativity, the lunch hour, kicked off with a live performance from artist Bang in our lobby. They pay attention when I speak my mind, set the tone without even trying. God chose me to see so I could lead the blind. Songs like Psalms, my palm right. You read the rhymes, highway to heaven, I'm here because I ain't read the signs. Oh, well, oh, well, we going to figure it out. Kids eat free if you want me counting figures out. I lost so many loved ones, I can't count them on my fingers now. Fell asleep in Dallas, woke up Cali, we are in and out. Made a quick fold, time to go, yeah, we in and out. Rims like the rent cycle, clean when they spinning out. How you speak down on someone, but you on the couch, eating off your mom and them. Listen, boy, get out the house. Back when JD and Bow Wow tried to make it bounce, mom tried to write a check. Hoping she ain't make it bounce. Used to give me money, praying, honey, please make it count. My, you know I will. Call my jeweler, got a gold smile. I'm shining now. 
As part of our monthly Lunch Hour podcast, there are also recorded conversations pairing our guest artists with an area business owner. For our first edition, Jasper Logan, KUAF's Community Engagement Director, asked Bang, Jeremy Gothrop, owner of Woodstone Pizza in Fayetteville, and me to sit down to talk about music, creativity, and community. We're going to hear some excerpts from both the conversation and the performance that make up KUAF's first episode of The Lunch Hour. The Lunch Hour is sponsored by George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. During our discussion, recorded at Lens Audio on the Fayetteville Square, I asked Jeremy Gothrop about a sign he had posted in his very first restaurant, Greenhouse Grill, that read, Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, I think that ethos is, is held true in most decisions from environmentalism to the kind of food, what we want to eat, and then like music incorporation and community involvement. So I think the, the beginning of that little restaurant was also just sitting around like, why isn't there a place I can get just this little clean, fresh food? Let's do it. And then there was like, why isn't there a place that hosts music inside? Let's do it. Why isn't there a place that can hold a fundraiser, donates, feeds people in, in, that are hungry? So it's just like doing it. But then you needed a vehicle and you needed like the sticks and bricks and a conduit to make the change. So that's always been kind of the inspirations. Like we have to keep this going for a paycheck, sure, and feed the kids. But ultimately it's the conduit to be able to like be part of the community and do stuff. And Bang, does that ethos work for your art as well? I mean, nail on the head. I can't even say nothing after that. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, when you focus on community, everything else takes care of itself, you know. Um, Quite similarly, when I came here, uh, I was in school, went to college, and then I wanted to do music right after. And our music isn't as widely accepted here, that being like hip-hop and uh, that style. Um, And so you quickly realize, like, you have to kind of make the waves and you have to create your own spaces in order to, like, engage and it's cool because you see that other people want to do the same thing that you want to do. And so, like, yes, that ethos is spot on. That's super interesting because um, you you already have, like, your name, Bang, is, like, kind of a ethos and mantra that you live by. Can you explain that, too? Yeah, so Bang in and of itself stands for Believe, Aspire, Achieve, Now Go. And so, like, that um, nickname came from my older brother, but it quickly gained popularity. And so like, once I realized that it was something that people wanted to kind of like rally behind, I wanted to give it that, um, that community and that connection feel and just like that entire, yeah, just lifestyle, so to speak. Yeah. And so when Greenhouse opened, that was a rarity here. Right. Mm. And you're talking about, this is an area that hip hop is not the most sure. prevalent. And so did either of you face uphill battles in that, like, you're not fast food, food through a window. You're, you're not the traditional music found in the Ozarks. Sure. I mean, all the time. Yeah. Um, Got to have a short memory and just just keep moving <laughs> forward. You know what I mean? Like, and, and seriously, you're always going to experience some rub and maybe some resistance just because things are new, right? And we're afraid of what's new sometimes. But the more you can present something in a uh, respectful, in a nicely put together manner. I'm not saying you have to shrink yourself, but you can show people like, oh, you're afraid because you're not used to this. But no, we can put on really good shows where everybody has a good time, nobody gets hurt. And guess what? It's quality music. You know what I mean? And I think the more you can give people that sample by sample, then the better they'll be able to receive what you know you have to offer. Yeah, 100%. It is the training. And like you open the door and be very welcoming. And this vibe that you're putting out is very important because you realize that every person that's walking through into the show might be the first time or not. You don't know. First time are you visiting my restaurant from a big city where you're used to this food mm-hmm. or you're not? It doesn't matter. Sure. You're just a human rolling in. 
and I need to like open the door, open my hands, create a vibe, set the tone and welcome you. And yeah, somewhat like break the ice and train and just like, and you know, allow what happens happens next. When it's, when it's hard for you to be creative, what do you do? How do you get out of that funk? Mm. Scream. <laughs> um, scream? Yeah, scream. <laughs> Try that. Scream. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a really good question. Uh, I think it's also our responsibility as artists to mm. find out what gets your gears going mm. and what makes you tick. And so like, if you like to travel, then you got to travel. If you like nature, you got to get out in the woods. Mm -hmm. um, if you haven't seen family in a while, go see your family. Um, so... If it's hard to be creative, then you got to be very intentional with things that might spark that. And it's hard sometimes because you can do all the things and it still won't come. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you don't get to decide. You can't choose. But what you can do is show up. And what you can do is just, like, put your best foot forward every day. Mm. Yeah, 100% echo there. You have to be self-aware enough to, like, see it coming, feel your cup empty, and not recognize and how are you going to fill it up. Because you got to get the job done, be it a job, a record, a show coming up, whatever it is, and just for self self preservation to have a full cup in life. This is, we get to do it once. Well, let me ask about self preservation and overextending, because I know the two of you are and Jasper and I too. You can have a million ideas, and you can have them going. I think at one point, Jeremy, you may have had three or four locations going at once. You've yeah. got a family. You're involved in roots. You're involved in community activity. You've got a lot of things going on. How do you know when you're doing too much and you need to have some self-care? <laughs> I'm asking for not, me, actually. Not, not great at that. Uh, my wife helps me with that, for sure. Yeah. It's like, hey, look in the mirror here. You're like, you're going. And there's smoke coming out of your ears. And you think you can do it all. And maybe you will. Yeah. But how, to what you know, degree of success and how well are you doing it? And is it good for you? Yeah. I think with age, it's like uh, dialing that in like a soundboard, bringing the levels up and keeping it tuned in because then I'll be more productive and do more things better instead of a bunch of things, you know, half-hearted and half-assed. I'm curious about you because hip-hop and like, especially now and like the way music is consumed, like it's quick. Yeah. It's quick. People yeah. are dropping yeah. albums yeah. like Feed the monster. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can oh, yeah. record an album like on your phone and then distribute it to the world like instantly. Sure. And so like how do you like keep up with that while also maintaining a healthy like artistic pace? Sure. Yeah. One thing that I'm kind of like a mantra that I'm holding on to these days is how you do one thing is how you do everything. Hmm. And so like what that means is if you're not balanced in your work life, you're not going to be balanced in like your family life, or like your home life, or your individual. And I think personally, boundaries is what I would call it. It's just like knowing when you're, you know, going too far, doing too much. It's a forever learning thing. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I wish I could tell you right now, all you have to do is this, 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 this. <laughs> but that'll change tomorrow, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And so, like, I think in my experience, what's helped a lot is trying to be present and, and really just kind of dialing in with myself and my emotions and saying, like, okay, what does a healthy bang look like? You know, how do I operate when, oh, I notice that when I'm overwhelmed and I have a lot of irons in the fire, I'm dissociating. I'm more distracted. I'm not as intentional with my family. And so it's kind of starting in my experience with kind of knowing where you want to be or like what you want to um, accomplish and what you want yourself to look like. I don't want to be, you know, tired every time you call me and I can't hang out because I've done 10 jobs. You know what I mean? Like. Um, and so that's where it starts, just kind of like knowing your limitations and just knowing what's yours and what's not. Some people will try to give you tasks, and it's like, uh, as much as I would love to help, 
that's not mine to own. You know what I mean? And so like just learning. Are you good at saying no? No. (laughs) (laughs) Better, better, but no. You guys are maybe a generation apart. I'm just guessing. 28. 28. <clears throat> older than 28. Yes, older than 28. 46. <laughs> wow. Uh, so I'm wondering, because you mentioned age and wisdom. So I'm wondering what you think in the 18 years since you've been 28, mm-hmm. you've figured out, learned, understood. Please tell me. You're doing good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think wisdom, I don't think age and wisdom correlate. I think there's some very wise, very wise young people and some very unwise older people yeah. especially currently um but ultimately i think that there's there's growth and then there's the self-awareness and how much you're tuning into the growth and the wisdom how important that is that statement he was just talking about is like i'm no good to anybody if i'm not good to myself this yeah. is age old you know buddhism and everything just to like keep things in balance then you're more when you're trying to conquer the world as a young person or think you are, it's just like when you're a, a young teen, you're like, can't wait to be out of the house. can't wait to be on your own. This, but you get out there and you realize like, oh, this is hard and not as glamorous as it, I thought it was. I think that that continues to go on. So having just like the self-awareness to be present where you are right now and just be you and do you is the wisdom. That's what I've learned. It's just like there's, you can only do so much. You might as well just like be as present as you can for these experiences because this is all going to change and be gone someday anyway. And what would you tell to a 10-year-old? You've got 18 years on. Wow. Um, little backstory. I had to do this uh, exercise in therapy where my, my counselor instructed me to do just that. Really? Yeah, it was brutal and liberating, but so challenging. But, yeah, just go back to my 10-year-old self and um, – what would I say? And and it was that. It was it was literally just do you. And as long as you're true to yourself, things figure themselves out as as you go. And you know you don't want to look up and look in the mirror and be like I can't recognize this person. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as things kind of pick up and as we're pulled in different directions, like my biggest fear is is kind of looking at myself and saying like I don't recognize you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. But if you continue to remain true to yourself and true to your convictions and honest with how you feel and honest with the people that you care about, then it's a lot harder to get lost in the sauce. And so that would be the, the just ad, advice, if any, is just, you know, remain true to yourself and, and see, see it through. You know, it's a, I think when we set up unrealistic expectations, like, you know, my boy was saying here, you can change the world immediately or, you know, you're going you're gonna to get out the house and things are just going to go exactly like you want. That's kind of unrealistic and you meet with such met with such opposition that it's easy to kind of stifle what you want to do. But if you just kind of perpetuate this mindset of do what you can, be authentic, be genuine, and let everything else take care of itself, then like I said, I think it's a lot easier. I mean, harder to get kind of thrown off track. I like the idea of being uh, true to yourself. And I want to kind of switch the conversation from uh, the creative side to the business side. Um, I think as artists, like it can get hard to remain true to yourself when you have to focus on like the business too, and like sure. making the check, sure. bringing home, like you know the the bottom line. How do you guys keep that balance of this is artistically and creatively something that I want to do and that I'm passionate about, but also this is how I can like make it make money off of it. Sure. I'm not the best at it. <laughs> hey, this, I mean, I mean, I, I have partners in, in businesses and I think that they, they help, they lean that side, mm. you know, so that helps yeah. mastermind. Sure. It definitely helps keep, 
keep you a course correct when you're falling off because creative ultimately, uh, sometimes I think that our, our passions and our creativity, um, if you make it your business, they can drain each other. Sure. So when you're not successful at a thing that's passionate and because it's also your paycheck, how does that reflect on your art? Is it not good enough? Am I not good enough? This not, this isn't working. I have to change it now good, yeah. versus like, if you can somehow, well, my art is good. My, mm-hmm. This is my passion is straight. And I have to find a line in there. And sometimes they don't coexist that not everybody can do both. And some people, Billie Eilish is just like, it may be killing her to be like so passionate and just being a, a superstar at this point that like it might start draining the passion sure. and draining the creativity out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know her or if that will. <laughs> like she's young, but ultimately finding that line and then back to like uh, support from other people. Um, and then sometimes surrendering. It's like that isn't going to work as much as I love the idea, but it's not going to make any money. It's actually going to cost money mm-hmm. and time. And then you just have to like either pin it for later, redefine it, find support. But that also makes you a little hungry for like, if I really want this thing to be accomplished, this festival is one of them. It's just like for years it wasn't making any kind of sense or money. We just kept doing it because it was so much passion involved, but it changed the way we know we have to think about this different. We have to monetize things different, operate different, and before long, get it to a place that it is successful and sustainable. Sure. Or just what it went away. If he gives a great elaborate answer, let's just, 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 go, just, go, to the, just go to the next question. Don't expect me to... No, only, only thing I'll add is... I mean, you helped me with this, believe it or not. You had an album, 2017, Success... Yeah. Um, was that around that time? Yeah, yeah. But I think another big part of that is just defining what success looks like for you. Yeah. Because, I mean, it can be, you know, a thousand different things to a thousand different people. And so kind of deciding what, you know, it might not be a Grammy, me writing a Grammy winning song. It might just be me being able to pay my bills off of music. And so I think once you know that target, then you know what you have to do. Mm. Right now, Apple Music is going to pay half a penny per stream. I mean, like, you guys should look at the analytics. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So artists right now are making the majority of their money off of, you know, merchandise, which I got a brand, you know, check out this <laughs> one. You know what I mean? Like, zoom in on that. <laughs> but, you know, artists are going to they're gonna make their money doing a whole bunch of different things. And yeah. so, like, to bring the business in, my favorite thing might be just sitting down writing songs. Well, if that's not what I'm making the most money doing, then I do have to preserve this sanctuary and this space of this, you know, element of creativity here but I also have to supplement and I gotta eat and I gotta feed the family and so like I might have to go harder in the merchandise I might have to look at more collaborative opportunities to do stuff you know what I mean with other organizations in order to kind of bring money in so I think it's a it's just a checks and balance and like I said mainly defining what success is and and kind of trying to hit that target I've got one last question that kind of revolves around our community, however you want to define it, Northwest Arkansas and the Arkansas River Valley and Central Arkansas, the state, sure. the Ozarks, whatever. We're not the hotbeds that people think of nationally, internationally for music. We're not L.A., New York, Atlanta, New Orleans, San Francisco. We're growing. Sure. We've got things. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Is, is there a, either a dream or, oh, shoot, I wish I would have gone or maybe I can go to one of these bigger cities? Are you happy here? I'm pumped to be here. I mean, my friends ask me, rightfully so, every month, you know, when are you moving to Dallas? When are you Mm -hmm. moving to L.A.? I'm not shouting out no more cities because I love Northwest Arkansas. But, like, you know, it's such a beautiful 
um, almost like renaissance period here because there's so much art and there's so much culture. You know what I mean? Like it's not in your face and it hasn't been completely tapped into yet. Like I think it will be, but it's here and and I can see it. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like when I think about dreaming and what the future looks like, it just makes me excited because I'm like, all someone needs to do is like see this. You know what I mean? There's tons of talented musicians. There's tons of great painters and there's tons of upcoming chefs and you know what I mean? Like culinary kids who want to just really invest in this area who are passionate about Northwest Arkansas, you know? And so as temptation arises to just kind of flee, it it grounds me even more because I'm like, this is going to be, it's already a cool place, but it's going to be so much cooler in the next three, four or five years when I think this merging of cultures and I think this marrying of everything that's here is kind of put in the forefront. I'm seeing it happen now, and so I'm excited to be on the groundwork of that. Bang is a musician and writer, and he was the guest for the first edition of the Lunch Hour that took place in the KUAF lobby late last month. This next one is a, it's an ode to my mom, um, and this is like my second time ever performing this. Uh, I don't even think my mom has heard this. I wrote it like four years ago, but she is uh, by far like my biggest hero. Um, and so, yeah, this song is just about seeing a young single mom, like, bust her butt to take care of her kids. Um, so, yeah, little crib, just enough to keep your kids from the cold. Hey, it's cool. I sleep on the floor. Why them bills steady piling? Debt collector steady dialing. Never answer when they knocking. We just look at the dough. I could tell from your 20s, really, you didn't seen plenty. Now you 30, and I know that you just looking for more. Got you praying to the man, Lord, praying to the landlord. Offer some direction. Tell me which way to go. Three kids, three jobs, ain't no daddy home. Say child support is not enough support to lift no child. I remember when I asked you just how much we got. You said, boy, you got it on, look at your feet right now. That's real talk for a young and naive fellow. You probably saving for a car and I just wanted mellows. If I knew back then what you paid for that, honestly, I'd probably just tell you take it back. You live and learn, lessons linger in my subconscious. Consequently, I commend you for that same thing. Cause ever since I seen you have to make do, I learned I could do without, long as we maintain. I ain't complain, cause you still put some pennies in my pocket so the chain swing, long as I'm on honor roll, long as I don't gang bang. I remember when they pulled us over and the game changed. I know it'll never be the same. 06 when they put you in that cop car. Mind racing, can't imagine what you going through. The officer said if I speak up, you won't go to jail. Guess he didn't know that if you go in, then I'm going too. The only way, you still tell me not to worry for nothing. Only pray, so I followed all your demonstrations, got me on my situations. I'm trying to learn how to love without limitations. Care with caution and proceed with patience, but mama, that's hard. The Lunch Hour is presented by George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville. As part of the conversation portion of our podcast, we also heard from Chef Jeremy Gothrop, owner of Woodstone Pizza, and a co-creator of the Fayetteville Roots Festival, and Jasper Logan the Community Engagement Director at KUAF. You can see more of Bang's performance in our lobby and hear more of the conversation in the complete podcast on the KUAF YouTube page. That podcast produced by Lens Audio in Fayetteville. You can find out more about Bang, and that stands for Believe, Aspire, Achieve, Now Go, by following him on all social platforms at LRBang. And the Lunch Hour continues with a second edition later this month, featuring singer and musician Pura Coco on Friday the 21st. Due to the current COVID-19 surge, our January concert will not have a live audience, but it will be live-streamed. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. 
A terrible plane crash took the life of Arkansas's top New Deal official in 1936. W.R. Dias, the state's Work Progress Administration chief, and WPA Finance Director Robert McNair were among 14 passengers on a plane flying from Memphis to Little Rock on January 14, 1936. Airport officials lost contact with the plane at 7.14 p.m. About the same time, a St. Francis County farmer heard a deafening roar and reported a possible plane crash. Police officers headed into a swampy area north of Highway 70 and found the plane's wreckage scattered over 400 yards and 5 feet of water. There were no survivors, and the Arkansas Gazette reported that bodies, slashed and broken, went hurtling through the trees, scattered like so many marbles tossed out of a bag. Life had ended for all of them before they landed in the marsh and were covered by the waters of the oozing swamp. Officials honored Dias by naming Colonization Project No. 1 in Mississippi County after him. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. Tomorrow on our show, how the state of Oklahoma is dealing with a new surge of virus cases. Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore is talking with the Oklahoma State Department of Health today. We'll hear his report tomorrow. And Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports federal law authorities in Arkansas and across the country for over a decade have been building Project Safe Neighborhoods. PSN is about leveraging limited federal resources to have a targeted approach to violent crime. But it's even more than that. It's about engaging the communities. Those stories and more tomorrow on Ozarks at Large at noon and 7 p.m. on KUAF 91.3 and always available by asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Rogers, and Goodman, Missouri. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Today's show Produced by Timothy Dennis. Our conversations between Roby Brock from Talk Business and Politics and John Brummett from the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette are part of our partnership with Talk Business. Support for our archiving comes from the University of Arkansas Women's Giving Circle. Additional content on today's show arrived from the newsroom of KUAR, public radio for Little Rock and all of Central Arkansas. Our theme is titled First to Raw. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. You can still find Daryl often performing live, sometimes even taking requests on his Facebook and Instagram feeds. From the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellums. Please be careful. Take care of yourself. We'll have a new show for you tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. You can find past editions of our show and listen to us anywhere you are with the absolutely free KUAF app for iPhone and iPad. Thanks so much for being with us. Take care of yourself. Back tomorrow.